Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am the better-looking host, Josh Johnson, and over there, still far too close for everybody's own good, is Mr. Ben Watts. Eventually, we're going to do something about this. Like, this this me being too close is going to come to a head. <laughs> what, what would that look like? Well, I'm not going to tell you that, because then you won't get near me. <laughs> I already don't get near you. That's, that's it's just for good reason. It's self it's self preservation. I agree with you at this point. It's smart. You I'm should not trying to defend you should myself. Agree. Exactly. I have nothing <laughs> to defend myself for. I am for the listeners, I am psychotic. <laughs> I am insane. <laughs> oh man. We've got a fun episode today. We've got uh really some looking buy forward to this sell. One. Ben is stoked. Ben is so stoked he's about to jump out of a third story window yeah. and try to parachute without 100%. a parachute. <laughs> We've got each of our uh, buys and sells for this fantasy season, and some of them are a little bit of a hot take, I think. This is just, it's one of my favorite times of the fantasy season because, like, you're trying to find, you, you, you're trying to get in on some of these guys before they hit, and you're trying to get out at just the right time on these other guys. So it's just, it's a fun gamble every year. Yeah, it's always a fun time because, I mean, the best, honestly, the best is when you buy a guy before he explodes or you sell a guy at his peak value right before he drops off a cliff. My, so example. My favorite one. Oh, go ahead. Go with your example. Last year, I sold, uh, and I kid you not, two weeks before his injury, Robert Woods straight up for T. Higgins. And I thought I was the smartest man on a planet Earth. Turns out I was. Uh, I also bought, I think it was that same year, about DeAndre Swift right before he turned into a wonder kid. There's nothing better. There's literally no better feeling. Mine was, uh, you remember in our, our home league, the, the God level trade? Everybody was actually thought I made a bad trade. I traded Derrick Henry two late firsts and a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor and the 101, which was Najee Harris. Which And everybody was upset yeah. at me, like, why would you trade Derrick Henry and a bunch of other stuff for two unproven guys? I'm like, no, 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 trust me. Just you wait. <laughs> you said, I know what I'm doing. I did in the group chat. And that is the beauty like, of buying me. and selling players at their peak value or, uh, you know, buying them when nobody knows them or nobody cares. So we're going to just kick things right off and hop into our buys. Ben, hit me with your number one buy for 2022. My number one buy for 2022 is DeAndre Hopkins. And it's self-explanatory. <laughs> I mean, D Hoppy, he's always been great. He's elite player. He before this past season, granted he was hurt this past year for a lot of it. He's had six consecutive seasons of a hundred and fifty plus targets. That's Translation: ins- He's been very good. That's insane. That is unreal yeah, he, amounts of targets. Does he lead the NFL in career receiving yards right now, or is that Julio? Either way, I, it's one of the I two of them. I think it's still Julio. Mahulio is also three years older than D-Hop, I think. Good Lord. So he was in the league longer. Yeah, D-Hop has been so good for so long. Um, and I, 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 go ahead. I think I saw something last year, or maybe maybe during the fantasy season last year, where, I mean, it goes along with the six consecutive years, 150 plus targets. Like, he's never been hurt, ever, ever. And so... He's very good at playing through injuries. He's very good at playing through them. He's also very good at just not getting seriously hurt. So the hamstring injury he had last year was a little bit of a fluke, and a lot of people aren't treating it that way. And, like, I I have, like, a little address by DeAndre Hopkins because he's sort of a risky buy because his targets did take a little bit of a dip this year, even in the games he played, which is a little concerning. However, I don't really feel like he was healthy all year either. I do remember that um, it seemed a little bit different than in years past where he was a little bit more touchdown dependent. 
Yeah, he's um, I do remember telling you from touchdowns. Yeah, I remember telling you that like I was a little bit concerned about D Hop just because it seemed like Arizona was spreading the ball around a little bit more. Um, but sure enough, Christian Kirk takes you know the highway out in free agency, and AJ Green. I'm not worried about AJ back, Green, but he's washed. Let's be honest about AJ Green. Like he's his targets to take a little bit different year, but he's banged up. He's he's like the clear alpha on his office. There's almost zero competition for targets. Yeah. Like Rond I I actually like Rondell Moore a lot. I think he could be like a sneaky buy too. But Rondell Moore is not going to touch DeAndre Hopkins target share. Yeah. Rondell Moore's A dot last year, his average depth of target was something like it's, two yards. Yeah, it was like he never I think he had like negative A dot at one point because he was just <laughs> counted behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he was catching screens, swings. Uh, they were letting him run a little bit. I remember that one game that Rondell Moore kind of popped. He was basically taking two screens to the house, and that was kind of his production. And uh, he 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 got a couple slants as well. But I mean, you're right, DeAndre Hopkins. He's their outside alpha. He's not going to get moved into the slot. He's not going to. I mean, he's their guy. Yeah. And and I think to you know, treat him in, in any other way is weird. The because uh, I was actually trying to sell him in a league and I couldn't get anybody to bite. So you know whoever's in your league and has DeAndre Hopkins, especially with how he was injured this past year, I mean you could find a guy who's not kind of really just tired of Hop and like nah get him out of here kind of thing. So you might get him pretty Mine cheap. No, yeah, I I think you can get him really really cheap. Uh, for sure. My number one buy. Honestly, I haven't seen this name anywhere, so I feel very proud of this one. My number one buy is Alan Lazard. He's been a, um, I feel like he's been a sell for a lot of people. I think he has, and you know, there's there's scenarios where he could be a bit of a sell. Um, we don't know exactly what the Packers are going to do in the draft. I assume take a receiver. I mean, but, they <laughs> up until. Uh, the Jordan Love year, he was actually the first skill player the Packers have ever taken in the first round with Aaron Rodgers on the wow. team. Wow. That is a shocking stat. Um, that is wild. I can't believe they've never taken a receiver for Rodgers. The only in the first. skill I player guess, was a quarterback. Jeez. I guess if you have DeAndre or uh, Devontae Adams, like you don't need to. Even he was but, a second round uh, pick. Uh, there you go. So Alan Lazard, um, the Packers just lost 30% of their passing game. And not to mention, they also lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now, no matter how you feel about MVS, there's a lot, a lot of targets that have been opened up in Green Bay, and somebody has to get them. So first off, I, I did a little bit of digging just to try and figure out how big that passing pie is in Green Bay. Because I figure they're probably going to take a rookie receiver anyway. And in that scenario, Lazard could still be a buy because the past four years, the Green Bay Packers wide receivers as a group have averaged 32.75 half PPR fantasy points a game collectively. So over the past four years, I think this is since 2018, Devontae Adams has accounted for basically 18 of those 32.7 points. Um, and then Marquez Valdez-Scantling averages about seven and a half of those as well. So you could tack those in. They're literally losing 80% of their target pie over the past four years. So, so that's there's a lot to go around. Even if Alan Lazard gets a 20% target share, 20% of Aaron Rodgers' targets are incredibly valuable. You have to imagine he's not going to throw to his tight ends. He never had a penchant for throwing to tight ends. Even when Robert Tunyon popped off two years ago, it was touchdowns. He had 10 or 11 touchdowns. It wasn't duty yards. He had like 500. Um, he had like 40-something catches. So... Alan Lazard feels like the guy that Aaron Rodgers will trust, will actually throw to when he needs 
when he needs a first down, when he needs, when he's got to have it, I feel like Alan Lazard is his guy. He's got chemistry Lazard was with, also him. He's played the, with him. Yeah, they've been together. They developed a rapport. I could easily see Alan Lazard taking a leap. Uh, maybe he's not a league winner. I'm not necessarily going to say he's going to immediately be a wide receiver one, but I could see the path for him to be a mid wide receiver two or a guy with upside, depending on where the touchdowns fall. A valuable. Uh, he was the piece. wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. He was the wide receiver eight from weeks 14 to 18 last year. That was the same stretch that Amon Ross St. Brown was the wide receiver two that everybody's freaking out about this <laughs> off season. It's the exact same stretch. He averaged 14 and a half fantasy points a game during that stretch. And on top of it all, I really wanted to know, you know, what is Aaron Rodgers actually going to give us even without Devontae Adams? Because I think I've seen a lot of people on the internet basically saying that Rodgers is going to stink <laughs> without Devontae Adams, without the best receiver in the league. And, and I, so would, I, I would lower him. That's a fair... I would lower him, but just for kicks and giggles, I averaged Aaron Rodgers' 17-game pace throughout his entire career. I found a fancy calculator. I can't do math, so I didn't do this by myself. Um, but I found his 17-game average pace throughout his entire career. And that 17-game pace is 4,500 yards, 38 touchdowns, and five picks. So maybe he's not that good because that's insane. But the point is that Aaron Rodgers' targets are incredibly valuable, and there are a lot of them to go around this offseason, and I think Alan Lazard should get a fair amount of them. I agree with that. If you're buying Alan Lazard, would you just go ahead and do it now, or would you wait till after the draft and hope maybe that Packers took a receiver in the first? You could honestly wait till after the draft, because if the Packers take a receiver in the first, I feel like Lazard's value will be nothing. Like, nobody's going to care about Alan Lazard. And right now, there might be, maybe, somebody who thinks like I do and sees Lazard as the potential wide receiver one. But after the draft, let's say, for example, the Packers select Jahan Dotson or maybe Jamison Williams falls. The hype for those rookies is going to be really high, and I think Lazard will kind of fade into the background. And I think you'll be able to get him really cheap. Like, I think you could trade a mid-second round rookie pick and you'd be able to get Lazard. I was thinking less than that. Maybe a third? Yeah. Trying dirt cheap. You could get a third and you might get like a wide receiver two in return. He, he, I mean, he could be the absolute steal of the offseason. He won't win you the league, but he'll give you a guy that you could put in your flex and feel really good about. That's fair. I'll agree with that. Your number two buy is My number who? two buy is the quarterback, Zach Wilson. Big fan of Zach Wilson. You, you know how huge a fan I am of Zach Wilson. I liked him in college. I had to talk you off a ledge last year Great when he co- sucked. Oh, I was, I was on, before the, before the season, I was fully on the Zach Wilson hype train. I was <laughs> saying, like, he needs to be the first quarterback you take. I, Trevor Lawrence, who? Justin Fields, who? Yeah. Give me Zach Wilson. That was, How are we feeling I was a, a year high. later? That was a little high. I a admit, little bit high. I admit that I got caught up in the film, but I still I still like Zach Wilson. He had, did not he wasn't wasn't great his rookie year. wasn't great. However, there were promising things that I think a lot of people kind of skipped over. He got hurt kind of midway through the season before that. He had a four to nine touchdown to interception ratio, which is not good. I will admit that before his injury. However, he came back week twelve. From week twelve to eighteen, he had a five to two touchdown inter- touchdown to interception ratio. So he was far clearly improved over the second half of the season. I love the talent. I think it's all there. I think the front office of the Jets is very good. I feel Robert Sala is a very smart coach. They kind of know what they're doing. And the team has a very clear path to improve. They have two firsts inside the top ten. And I would not be surprised to see them taking a wide receiver with probably that tenth pick. 
I'm looking at maybe Drake London or someone like that. I actually just looked at Mel Kuyper's rookie pick, rookie draft, and he have who I think the Jets are taking at 10 is Drake London. And if the Jets take Drake London, I think Zach Wilson could take a big step because you just give him just this huge target when he's in trouble, he can throw it up to. Yeah. And that's on top of Michael Carter. His running back is a good pass catcher. He's going to improve. Elijah Moore, we all love him. I think he's going to be fantastic. Just that explosive, elite pass catcher. I mean, there's things are looking up in New York. The thing with Zach Wilson, like Zach Wilson scares the crap out of me, um, both in real life and in fantasy. Uh, he's got a little bit of that gunslinger to him. I like, so, like that he's about not. He, I know you, you love it. He's not afraid of anything, but that's also terrifying because he's not afraid of anything. So, for example, he will throw anything, like anything in any that, window. It does Brett not Favre matter. Attitude. Little bit. Screw it. My guy's is, better than your guy. Exactly. His rookie year, though, that translated to a 14 of 22 for 102 yards, a 7 of 20 for 87 yards. Can I interest you in that? By the way, those were like full games. That was 100% of snaps played. He threw for 102 and 87 yards. One of those was against the Jaguars, by the way. So I'm not, needless to say, I'm not bullish on Zach Wilson, but I can certainly see the path to improvement. He just scares the ever-living crap out of me. And I understand it, but like this is also a buy where like I think you could, kind of like the owner of him was high on Zach Wilson too, you could get him for relatively cheap. I'm not, certainly. I don't love him as my QB2 if I'm in a super flex league. But I don't think he's going to be bad, QB2. It really, a, I mean... Go ahead. I, I could see... Okay, Elijah Moore, I think, is a great receiver. Drake London, I also think, is a great receiver. And I do think at four, they'll take a lineman. So I could see their offensive line getting better. Part of the problem with Zach Wilson was that he was running for his life. Um, in fantasy, he has shown that he's mobile. He's shown an, I guess, ability to throw any ball. So he's got the tools. It's just a matter of will the draft picks pan out? Will they give him the proper, I guess, chance that Sam Darnold never got under the previous regime? And that's one of the reasons I kind of fell in love with his tape in college is just he's got that some of the throws he makes are Patrick Mahomes-esque where he just, he's off his back foot, slings it sidearm 40 yards down the field and finds his guy. Yeah. I don't know, and he's got that so Brett Favre. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. he. I mean, he could, he could absolutely turn into a superstar. I won't put that past him. He just, he scares me. <laughs> uh, my number two by is Tony Pollard. Tony. 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 Um, Tony Pollard is very interesting because I he feels a lot like A.J. Dillon to me, but he's not getting any of the hype that A.J. Dillon is getting. Um, Pollard played behind Ezekiel Elliott, and there was a large amount of work that Ezekiel Elliott was getting while Pollard was also getting a large amount of work. They ran the ball a ton in Dallas last year. So I don't know. I think I could see a lot of people still thinking Ezekiel Elliott has one or two years left where he's a bell cow and they're just going to run him into the ground and send him on his way. So if that's the case, if Ezekiel Elliott stays in Dallas for two more years, which his contract says could happen, but I don't think that will happen. Tony Pollard would obviously not be worth a whole lot. If Zeke moves on or just dies, which I think a lot of people hope happens, uh, Tony Pollard could be an absolute league winner. Dies. 
Uh, Tony Pollard last year was number two in the NFL in yards per touch. He was also number three in breakaway run rate, which means anytime they gave Tony Pollard the ball, there was a very large chance he was going to take it 20 plus yards or take it to the house. Yeah, I uh, remember he has the by going up against people who were playing Tony Pollard. Like, I was super scared, not because of like he's gonna get a pun, but like I was just scared. Like, I was gonna think I had the week in the bag, and then he was gonna break off like an 80 yard run. Exactly, and he also got a ton of passing work. I want to say he had 45 targets as well. Uh, in a backup role, Dak, in a backup role. So Dak gave Zeke 65 targets. And Tony Pollard, uh, 45, you can do the math. There's a lot to go around in that running back pie in Dallas, and I don't really think that changes. If anything, I think Tony Pollard eats more into Zeke's workload. Now, some people will say that Zeke was... Go ahead. Some people say Zeke was injured, and that's why Tony Pollard got more work than he did in previous years. But... I really think that Tony Pollard was the better of the two running backs. Uh, he's gotten better each year in the league, and Zeke's also gotten worse each year that Tony Pollard has been in the league, at least on a per-touch basis. You think they could I, shift I, to I'm, more like a Denver situation last year with Javante and Melvin Gordon? I really do. And I also think that, you know, with that offensive line, I think we'll take a little bit of a step back this year. I think Zeke, I don't know. He just, he doesn't look the same as he did his rookie year. And he's had a lot, a lot of wear and tear on that body. Um, he's 26 years old. I think he's had the most carries of any running back active in the NFL. That I mean, that just, he's a ticking time bomb. And Tony Pollard is right behind him. He's got juice. He's shown he's got juice. His production keeps going up. They keep giving him more touches. Everybody last year was calling for Tony Pollard to be the starter and for Zeke to get benched. It just it just feels very much like if Zeke's contract wasn't in the way, Tony Pollard would be the starter regardless. But just because of Zeke's contract, he stays the starter and they can't cut him or get rid of him or anything like that because uh, Jerry Jones is an idiot. So... It, it feels very much like Tony Pollard should get that job soon. I would very much not be surprised if by the halfway point in 2022, Tony Pollard was out touching Zeke in the Cowboys offense. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, either. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever out-touch Zeke, but I could see him like at, at least with a 50-50 split. Yeah. And if Zeke were to get hurt, I mean, Tony Pollard to the moon. Which Zeke is, what is he, 27 now? I think he'll be 27 by the time the season starts. He's 27, but he's been in the league a while. Like, he has gotten beaten up. He has. He's seen Derrick Henry levels of touches. He's seen many more touches than Derrick Henry. So, like, Derrick Henry has three years of Zeke's workload. And Zeke has, let's see, six. Mm. Zeke has, in his, so he got drafted in 2016. He's had 322, 242, 304, 301, 244, and 237 carries. That's insane. You, you can add that up. That's a lot. <laughs> I feel like Zeke is about to drop off a cliff. Uh, maybe that's just me, and maybe that's why I feel like Tony Pollard is a buy. But regardless, I think Tony Pollard will steal enough work I think to where it's worth the investment regardless. Zeke, and, Zeke is going to be like a lot like Derrick Henry's cliff. I don't know when it's coming, but when it does, it's going to be fast, instantaneous, like he's done, gone. Yeah. So who is your number three buy? Number three buy, a little bit... People may not call. People may not feel it. Feel it's weird for him to be a buy, but it's Cordero Patterson, which hmm. I understand. He's thirty-one years old, but I think if your team is in a win-now scenario, I think Cordero Patterson is a fantastic buy. He was the RB nine last year in a very bad offense 
with very few weapons. And the offense, yes, it did get worse. But the team is in the middle of a rebuild. We have no wide receivers worth mentioning. None at all. None. And You have Olamide Zacchaeus, and yep, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I think... In Atlanta, they everybody's saying like we could be a candidate to draft a running back, and I wouldn't be surprised if we did. However, even if we do, I think Cordell Patterson still gets a lot of touches because of the wide receiver group. We're going to scheme in ways to get the ball. He's going to get it out of the backfield. He's going to line up in the slot, catch it there. And whoever owns Cordell in your league probably doesn't care that much about him because you got him off waivers if he has him. Honestly. And he kind of slowed down at the end of the year, too. So people kind of slip and forget he's there. So if you're trying to... I do think I do think a lot of people got burned by Cordero, especially in the fantasy playoffs, to where... I don't know. I feel like you were expecting a certain amount of production out of Cordero down the stretch, and he wasn't giving it to you, especially the way he started out the fantasy season. Um, Weeks 13 I feel like there was through a lot 18, of people that got absolutely burned. He had 11, 12, 3, 7, 6, and 1. That will not get it done so he that had last a month. Massive start to the season and tapered off at the end. So that probably reduced his price even more. Like, I think you could get Cordell Patterson dirt cheap. And I think he's going to be. I don't expect him to repeat what he did this past year and be the RB9 or anything like that. But I think he could be extremely valuable, especially. If you're winning now, put him in the flex. Add a really good depth piece. I would definitely go buy Cordero yeah. Patterson. Do you think a second round rookie pick would get it done for him? I think it would, but the only I would only pay that if I'm competing right now. If I know I have a very good team. If I'm in the riddle rebuild, I'm not touching Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Yeah, Cordero's tough. So I he's kind know. of a quotation mark buy. Because there's yeah. conditions. You need to be winning right now. He's very much like just this coming season and then beyond that, you don't you don't know. I don't even know if he'll be on Atlanta in twenty twenty three. But in twenty twenty three, Atlanta's gonna look very different than it does now. That is a fact. So my number three buy, probably a little bit of a surprise, uh, but it is Jalen Waddle. And I feel like he's a buy because so many people are depressed with the fact that Tyreek Hill showed up in Miami. Um, I had to talk Jaylen to you Waddle's off a ledge, not going a literal anywhere. ledge, when Tyreek Hill signed. You did. I uh, I was about to jump off a bridge, actually. And so, um, yeah, that was unfortunate. It was a big That was a very story. dark, very sad period of my uh, life. Anyway... Now that it's over with, now that I've had time to process, I feel like Jalen Waddell is certainly not what I hoped he was going to be. I probably would have had him at my dynasty wide receiver three. Holy um, I was very high on Jalen Waddell. That is bullish to say the least. <laughs> that is bullish. But now that all the smoke is cleared and everything is settled... I do think that you're getting a very solid wide receiver too in Jalen Waddle, especially because Tua Tagovailoa is. Let's put it this way: Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are basically the exact same player. We've said very that before fun. on this podcast. They're they're the exact same to one another, and I feel like Mike McDaniel is going to use them both in very similar ways. I feel like there will be alternating plays where one of them goes deep, one of them goes short, where one of them will get a swing pass, one of them runs a jet sweep. Like I feel like you can use one as a decoy for the other and their end of season totals will be very similar. But I think Jalen Waddle and maybe this is just a benefit of seeing him play with Tua for a year already. He and Tua together are dynamite. Um they they, I don't know, like Jalen Waddle, I didn't even think this was going to happen when he was drafted. I thought he was just a deep threat, a speedster. Turns out he's got amazing hands. Uh, did he, he have, a, he had a hundred catches this past year, didn't he? He had 104 catches on 142 wow. targets. 
Uh, he was number three in the NFL last year in his true catch rate. So, and he was top 10 and just like, if you look up catch rate, basically the, the number of passes that he caught, he was top 10. But if you factor that down a little bit and just eliminate all the passes that were uncatchable, he was number three in the NFL. Meaning if you threw the ball and it didn't suck, <laughs> Jalen Waddle was more than likely going to catch it. He also was top 10 in his route win rate, meaning he was beating opposing teams' corners. And then after he beat the corner, he was catching the ball that was thrown to him. So I looked up his, uh, his game logs last year. And one corner specifically that I noticed was Marlon Humphrey, a, a guy that is considered a alpha corner a number one corner in the NFL. He's gotten paid a lot of money by the Baltimore Ravens. And Jalen Waddell said, hold this 14 targets, 10 catches, 90 yards, and two touchdowns. He's an alpha. And I think you can get him. Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) I think you can get him a little bit cheaper than, obviously you can get him cheaper than he was valued before the Tyreek Hill trade. But I do think the that there might he's still be, be in a while, or the cheapest he'll be in a while. It, it may be the lowest he's ever going to be. But I do think there's going to be some owners in your leagues that are a little bit scared of Jalen Waddle because of that trade, and don't really know how to value him, just because Tyreek Hill's come to town. And Tyreek Hill's a great player in his own right, but I would not sleep on Jalen Waddle. No. And I think it's people are going to be scared because it does. I guess it lowers his floor a little bit because there's going to be those games where Tyreek Hill probably just takes everything and Jalen Waddle comes away with four catches for 40 yards kind of thing. Right. And that could happen for sure. I think in the grand scheme of things, he's young enough. Uh, Uber talented. If Tua, Uber talent, if, if Tua works, both of those receivers could be wide receiver ones. A lot of our hedging right now is we don't really know how good Tua is. If he's a if he's great, if he turns out to actually be a diamond in the rough this whole time, and all that it took was hiring Mike McDaniel, getting a top three NFL receiver, and re-signing everyone and giving him an offensive line, if that's all it took for him to be a stud and he turns out to be a stud, both of those receivers are going to perform above their ADP in 2022, especially Waddle because he'll be drafted lower than Tyreek Hill. 100%. So, to move on now to that sales. we've done all the rosies, let's let's hop into these cells. Get Who's these your number one off cell? Of my roster. Don't want them. Who whose hearts we breaking? My I got a couple of them that are uh, a lot of people a lot of people don't agree with. My hardest sell on the list is probably number 1, mine is Debo Samuel. And I know we ranked him pretty highly on our dynasty wide receiver list. And, but like the more and more I keep thinking about it and like, I'm not, I'm not saying Debo Samuel was bad or he's going to have a bad season, but I think now is the time to sell Debo Samuel. Don't sell him cheap, but now is the time to get rid of him. What do you think you should be expecting in a return for Debo Samuel? Let's say you've got him on your roster. You're trying to get rid of him. What do you want? Two firsts at least. Two first, and then yeah, I'm looking for, gosh, what's a two first? If you're lucky, I'm, like, I'm thinking two first in like a Rashad Bateman level player, somebody that maybe didn't impress but has a lot of potential kind of thing. Yeah. He just, he had a phenomenal season, absolutely phenomenal season this past year. 1,400 yards, 77 catches, six touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns. But can he replicate that? Like, I think this is the highest. Debo's value is ever going to be. He's had yeah. a real injury riddled past. We've talked about this before. High school and college, he broke his leg in college, came back, but he's never played a full season in the NFL. He was highly, highly efficient this year with his touches. Scored, uh, was it, 14 total touchdowns. And I just, and you likely, when you got him this year, you got him on a discount because everybody was in on Brandon Ayuk. And they were out on Debo yep. Samuel, and he just came in and slammed the door on that. Yeah, so Debo's ADP, I think, before the season was between the sixth and the eighth round in a lot of startup drafts. And now he's going in, um, like, the second round. Right. 
which is insane. So Brandon Ayuk got you got him for you really cheap, but I just I don't see this vol this efficiency being sustainable. The way they use him puts him at a much higher risk for injury than your prototypical wide receiver. So yeah, I'm if I have Debo Sam, I'm not trying to sell him cheap, but I'm trying to sell as high as I can right now. So what do you make of him wanting $25 million from the 49ers? Um, like, is there a possibility that they trade him? And would you want to sell him before that happens? I think if they, yeah, it's tough because another team won't use him, or probably won't use him the same way that San Francisco used him, which is right. good probably for Debo's health and longevity. However, he probably won't be as productive as he was in the way that Shanahan gets in the ball. Right. So it's pick your poison. Debo's tough. I mean, it, it really is. He's, unless he's hurt, he probably is a top 10 wide receiver. The problem oh, is easily. I just, he I had trust one, him. one great season, like one great season in his career. He's shown flashes before that he could put all this together. Uh, but And he's got quarterback questions as well. It's not assured that his quarterback gets his him the ball. his quarterback is Trey Lance, I mean, he had 1,400 yards on 77 catches, eight touchdowns. Like, that's extremely efficient, and he was making big plays. I don't know if Trey Lance can replicate that. Yeah, and his, his yards per uh, target went way up in 2021. He was uber efficient. Yards per target. I mean, he was at 11 at yards per target. Yeah. And he was averaging so, six yards a carry. Which is way more than he'd ever had in his career prior. He had 8.8 .8 yards per target in 2020 and 9.9 .9 in 2019. He just hasn't been that efficient ever before. And I, I just, I'm not saying it can't happen, but I don't see it happening again. This was the best Debo Samuel we're going to get was this past season. Yeah. So find your sucker so, and sell to him. Exactly. <laughs> Unload him for a bag and uh, and carry on. My number one Gosh. sell Who you selling? is kind of obvious. It is pretty obvious. It's Mr. Juju Smith-Schuster. Get him off my roster. And, uh, I don't want TikTok boy. <laughs> Nobody does in real life, but people do in fantasy. Um, you're going to be able to find a sucker for Juju. Out of Kansas City. Uh, yeah, pretty much. He also chased Antonio Brown out of Pittsburgh, so he's a wide receiver <laughs> one killer. <laughs> uh, Juju is interesting because there's going to be a mixed group on him. You're going to have the people that just want to see what happens because Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. You're also, and you know, those people you can sell to, you're also going to have people that just hate him because he's burned them so many times. But then you're also going to have people that see his 1400 yard season with big Ben. They're also going to see who his quarterback is. Yeah. You're going to see I mean, we've Andy seen Juju be elite before. Exactly. And those people are not crazy. Like there's absolutely a possibility that Juju goes to Kansas City and crushes. I'm not saying that it won't happen. What I am saying is his value may never be higher than it is right now. And He's if you're selling him... from arguably the best quarterback in the league when they just lost their right. top wide receiver in the league. Right now, he doesn't have much competition outside of, obviously, Travis Kelsey, but, you know, that's different debate. Right. The only other receiver they signed was, well, of, of note, was Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's a deep threat. He's not somebody that's going to threaten Juju's workload, theoretically. The problem is, Kansas City might draft a receiver, and he might take away from Juju's workload. There's I a lot of question marks. Reports of the uh, Chiefs trading up to get a receiver. Yeah. Here's what I think will actually end up happening. I think they'll end up taking a receiver. I don't know who it is. 
But I think that that receiver will end up splitting out wide. Juju will work in the slot. And Travis Kelsey and McCole Hardman will kind of round out that passing offense. Yeah. And I don't really want slot targets. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's been good, but he's not really returned on his ADP pretty much ever since that 1,400-yard season. He's also coming off a pretty major injury this past year. There's there's a lot of question marks. I don't know how valuable he will be. He might be just middling. And if he's just middling, I'm trying to get rid of him to somebody who sees Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. He's in Kansas City's offense and thinks, oh, he could go to the moon. I'm not really convinced he's going to go to the moon. And I've tried selling him. The one league I've got him. You just have to find the right price for him. And I think Juju is a prime candidate for somebody that you can package with another asset to tear up in something. And I, I came I came close to doing a, a a deal like that where, you know, it was I was using a different player as the backbone of the trade, and Juju was the icing on the cake to really make you say, Oh, well, I can't lose this deal. And then I get what I want and I get rid of Juju while I think his value is higher than it will ever be. Certainly he could crush in Kansas City, but I'm not convinced. And right now seems like a great time to unload him while there's folks that are really starstruck by the offense that he's playing in. I agree with you. Number two for you. Who's your number two sell? Number two. This one's also people don't like when we try to sell this guy. It's Amon Ross St. Brown, the sun god. People hate this one. Hate people, it. People get upset when I try to sell Amon Ross St. Brown. And if y'all, y'all, y'all just listen to me, just, just hear me out. He's a huge sell. <laughs> His explosion came when all of... Detroit Stars were out. He popped off yeah. from weeks 13 all the way through the end of the season. Which and that granted that stretch was a league winning stretch. I faced him right. in the championship of one league. He exploded. He had 19, 11, 19, 21, 31, 22. Just elite production. However, DeAndre Swift went out from weeks 12 to 17. He got early, hurt early in week 12 against Chicago. You know, he got hurt in like the first quarter, and then he barely played when he came back in week 17. So he was essentially out five weeks. TJ Hawkinson yep. was out from weeks 14 through 18. So really there was no car- target competition in Detroit. It was all, everything went to Monroe St. Brown. Yeah, there was nobody else... He was getting, it was so funny because Tim Boyle started a couple games that Amon Ross St. Brown popped in. And even then, it didn't matter. Amon Ross St. Brown was crushing. And the difficult part of Amon Ross St. Brown is that, yes, he got a ton of targets when Detroit's top two passing options went out. And the reason people don't want to sell him is because when he got those targets, he absolutely made the most of his opportunity. But the problem is, he actually didn't get double-digit targets until week 13. That's his first week with over 10 targets. Right. Did he score, and this is, I don't know the answer to this, did he score over 15 fantasy points without getting double-digit targets? No. His best week was, before that, was back-to-back weeks against Chicago and Minnesota in weeks four and five where he got 10 points back-to-back. Yeesh. And I like I'm not saying Amara St. Brown is bad, but like the the numbers the numbers don't lie. He wasn't he didn't pop until there was a vacuum for targets. And they added DJ right. Chark. And I'm not I'm not super worried about DJ Chark just becoming an alpha receiver, but that's another target. He's gonna open things up for the other guys to get more targets, and I just he's not gonna repeat this production. Yeah, and and he was also touchdown, like not touchdown dependent, but he scored 
let's see, week 13, week 15, week 16, week 17, week 18. But he did not score before those weeks. Right. So he was the backbone of their entire offense. Not to mention, he started getting a little bit of rushing work as well. Like, the Detroit Lions offense didn't have any weapons. None. When Hawkinson and Swift went out. They had Jamal Williams and Amonra St. Brown. And that was it. Because I think Tyrell Williams was hurt or dead at this point. It didn't matter. He was gone. There was there was no competition for anything in that offense. And in that case, there's a lot of people that love Amonra St. Brown. You'll be able to sell him and it won't be hard. Like everybody will want him. The problem has been what is the price that you're willing to sell him for to where you're not losing on the deal? If I can get a first, like I honestly probably would sell him. I'm, I'm thinking like a mid first because yeah. more than what likely, if you got a late, more than likely you picked him up off waivers. So you got him for free. So you just picked up a first round pick off of waivers. Yeah. What if you got a late 23 first as an offer for him? I think I'd do it. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't see him being great. I think he's going to probably be a fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Um, I, I don't know. I have, see him in that wide receiver where you 20. Can start him in flex, but yeah. And if, and if uh, Hawkinson or Swift goes out, obviously you smash Amonra St. Brown. But if they're healthy... They're the alphas in that offense. Right. It seems like uh, Hawkinson is the number one target in that offense. DeAndre Swift is number two, and Amonra St. Brown's number three. Now, maybe, maybe they decide that St. Brown jumps DeAndre Swift. You know, he is a wide receiver after all. Maybe we shouldn't just target our our tight end and our running back. But, but, I mean, they were doing well when they're targeting DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, so why stop? Exactly. Yeah, that, I mean, they were they were making the most of what they were getting. It's a very, it's it's forecasting. We we don't know if, um, you know, how, how exactly it'll play out, but it does seem like his value is incredibly high. Yeah. My number two sell is Mr. Punch him in the face himself, Alvin Kamara. The murderer? Almost. The, <laughs> he, came, he was tempting fate. <laughs> Hope Alvin Kamara never listens to this. He's your champion, so uh, how do you feel about him being right here? It breaks my heart because I watch a lot of people and they say, like, you know, can't... They talk about who's been on your dynasty roster and this guy hasn't been... Like, you almost never keep guys your whole time. I have had Alvin Kamara on my dynasty roster since his rookie season. And I I know I need to let him go, but I don't want to do it. Right. He has been the backbone of my team for five years. He's been a staple. It hurts. And uh, now, here's where we're at with Alvin Kamara. He's 26 years old. I want to say he's 27 by the time the season starts. He's got a little bit of issues with uh, Uncle Sam. You can't really bash somebody's face in and get away with it. And we're not sure what that necessarily means in terms of suspension, in terms of games lost. But it's a very real possibility that he misses half the fantasy season in 2022 and he plays the second half of the year and then is... 28 going into next year on that age cliff and not to mention the fact he's in a bad offense in a rebuilding offense that I will say I don't think he'll hit the age cliff as hard as some of the other guys we talked about like Zeke or Henry just because he hasn't he doesn't have the workload they've had their whole careers he's very good that's true receiving back yet he hasn't doesn't he had his most carries this uh, season highest of his career so sort of like Austin Eckler, he hasn't gotten a ton of work up until now in terms of just like pounding that he's taken being a running back. The like the contrast though obviously is Austin Eckler's in an elite offense and therefore will have touchdown opportunities 
And he was very efficient on his carries last year. Got a ton of targets as well. Alvin Kamara last year averaged 3.7 yards a carry. And the thing with Alvin Kamara is that he's always been incredibly efficient in the red zone. He scored a lot of touchdowns. 21 and 2020. Right. Like, if you score 20 touchdowns, obviously you're going to be a great fantasy asset. Problem is, I don't see that offense allowing him the opportunity to score enough to offset the fact that he won't put up rushing yardage like you would want. And I don't know now that, you know, Sean Payton has quote unquote retired or whatever it is that he's done and Dennis Allen's taken over. Like, I don't know what that offense necessarily looks like with the new head coach. Will they change a little bit how they dump off Dalvin Kamara? Will he command the target share that he's had in years past? Even just last year, his targets took a dip. And since he wasn't efficient running the ball on his carries, it just didn't really translate to great fantasy success. He was fine. He wasn't amazing. But his age, coupled with the fact that he you know, might miss half the year, he feels like an easy sell to me. Even like if you're not selling him, you're trying to sell him. Yeah. And you could maybe get somebody to bite on just name value alone. Like it's Alvin Kamara. He's still Alvin Kamara. And I don't think he's going to just be a terrible player either. Like I still think he's at least a high end RB2, but he's never yeah. going to return to being the RB1 again unless something right. just drastic happens in New Orleans. Unless Jameis Winston decides he likes dumping the ball off a lot. Which Jameis and I don't, slowly I don't did start to do that toward before he got hurt. He was he was getting there. Kamara's receiving numbers were going up, and then obviously Jameis got hurt, and my most hated and man Taysom football Hill took over. Vultured everything. <laughs> Gosh, so you're number Taysom one Hill. or <laughs> your number three cell. Is Number three sell is Dawson Knox from the Buffalo Bills. He he shocked a lot of people in 2021. He was very, very good. He's obviously on the Buffalo Bills, so he's with Josh Allen, so people like that. But most of his production came from touchdowns. He only had he had nine touchdowns in 2021, which is which is great, but kind of was very Robert Tunyon-esque. He only had one game where he scored double-digit points and didn't score a touchdown. He had a very, very small target share in that offense. He had one double-digit target games, and he only had four games with six or more targets total, which that concerns me. A little bit, yeah. And the team, uh, not that, I don't know how much this changes, but they did add O.J. Howard, who, yes, has been very disappointed during his season, but it's still a recognizable name. He's still a pretty talented tight end, so I don't know if... He's not going to start over Dawson Knox, but it is something to keep an eye on. So I feel if you can sell the fact that, hey, this is the number one tight end for Josh Allen, who throws the ball like 50 times a game, yeah, go do that. Yeah, I think you'll be able to get somebody to bite on him. I don't know. Like, what do you say to the people who think that last year was Dawson Knox's coming out party and he's finally here? Like, it's only going to go up from here. He didn't get a ton of targets last year, but that's, you know, part of the development process of the tight end position. You know, he could theoretically improve. I don't know. Like, how are you feeling about him improving on his targets, his yards? Maybe not his touchdowns because they were incredibly high last year. Yeah, I could see his touchdowns dipping. I. I mean, yes, theoretically, yes, they all could. But I think Buffalo probably maybe adds another weapon. They definitely need a running back. Um, I think Gabriel, I could see Gabriel Davis taking a big step forward in that offense, which if he he jumps forward, I don't think him and Dawson Knox both take huge steps without hurting the other one. So Yeah, so... Colby, Cole Beasley left. He's no longer there. I'm pulling up his his target totals from last season. He had 112 Cole targets that are now vacated. 
There's a fair bit there. It's the most of his entire career, which is kind of funny. I, I'm not sure what to do with Dawson Knox. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if it's a OJ Howard vultures some of that red zone work. If Gabriel Davis takes a step forward and steals some of his target work potentially, or if they add another receiver and it just kind of all becomes a wash and he's pretty much the same and he has a little bit of TD regression. I have no clue. Maybe he and takes I a get, step forward and is a top five tight end. I have no clue. I get there's the scarcity of the position. So if you have Dawson Knox as your starting tight end, that's not the worst case scenario. However, I could see use him and package him up to go get something you want from somebody else. It's kind of like, like you did with Juju. Like, hey, I'll throw in Dawson Knox. He's Josh Allen's tight end. And right. get your way. Or maybe try to use him to tear up a tight end, go get a TJ Hawkinson or somebody like that. Yeah, that's good stuff. My number three and final sell is Mr. Cheetah himself, Tyreek Hill. You've had Jalen Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill on this list. I do. <laughs> so maybe you can tell how I feel about Jalen Waddle, uh, about the Dolphins offense. But uh, Tyreek Hill... Yeesh. He obviously, both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle lost in this Chiefs trade. And maybe that makes Tyreek Hill not be a great sell for you right now. And I could totally get that, where his value dipped immediately after that trade, and you don't want to sell a player at their lowest value. And it's Tyreek's lowest value in a long time. However, I do think there's going to be suckers. There's going to be somebody who sees Mike McDaniel say, we're going to use Tyreek like we use Debo Samuel. We're going to let him run the ball a little bit. And they're going to say, oh, wow, that's a path for him to have 290 fantasy points and be the wide receiver one and win me a league. Those people you're selling Tyreek Hill to yesterday. I don't think he returns anywhere near the value he had in Kansas City, obviously where he was a perennial top three wide receiver. Yeah. I think you should expect fringe wide receiver one production, but it's not like guaranteed week winning stuff every single week. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he was anywhere from the wide receiver seven to like the wide receiver 15. I could see him completely disappearing in a stretch of weeks and then having a game where he gets, you know, 90 yards and three touchdowns. Like Tyreek is I don't, I'm not buying the fact that his talent will just shine through and he's just going to deliver like a, a fantasy leprechaun and just give you pots of gold. I don't see it happening. He doesn't have Patrick Mahomes anymore. And Jalen Waddle's there. Jalen Waddle is a talented wide receiver. He exists. He's got to his trust already from a year of playing with him when he threw him 142 targets. And we just don't really know what Tua Tagovailoa is. So there's a scenario where Tua pans out and you could trade Tyreek during the season to someone who sees him pop off a couple weeks and you can just unload him for a haul and, you know, wash your hands of it and be done. Full transparency, I traded Tyreek Hill like three hours after the trade for, I think it was David Montgomery in the 102 in the rookie draft, and I feel great about it because I just don't want to deal with that the makes me yo-yoing upset, okay. that might happen. I know it pisses you off because you also have Tyree Kill in another dynasty league and can't sell him for peanuts. No. I, I tried to do, like, I saw the no, like update or notification from Sleeper, like, the Chiefs may trade Tyree Kill. I said, because what made me so mad is I had actually been contemplating earlier in the offseason, like, I probably should sell Tyree Kill and just yep. go get something great for him. And then a couple weeks later, I got the notification, Chiefs might trade Tyreek Hill. I'm like, crap, what am I going to do now? And then I panicked, like went straight to my buddy. He's like, hey, what would you say for Tyreek Hill for maybe Devontae Adams? And he's like, no, Tyreek Hill might get traded. <laughs> broke my I heart. did the same thing. I did the exact same thing, and it was shot down so hardcore. I don't, Tyreek, I, you you might as well keep him if you're in love with him. Um, if you don't have I that sucker in your league that will take one. him, but he probably still returns value. 
I, I, it depends on where he gets taken in startup drafts. It depends on how your league feels about him. If there's somebody that still thinks he'll give you top five value, you trade him right now. Uh, but if everybody in your league realizes he probably is a late wide receiver one, maybe a wide receiver two, you probably have to sit on him. But if you can sell him, I think you do. Is this kind of a sell him right now while the getting's good, or do you wait for in the season when he snags an 80-yard touchdown kind of thing? So I do think you'll be able to have that somebody that sees him make a Tyreek Hill play in a game and go, okay, you know, I'll still trade legit. you Tyreek Hill for... Yeah, he's still legit. I mean, like last year, for example... I was able to move Robbie Anderson in a league right after a game where he scored a touchdown. It was his only good game all year, but you know somebody saw that one play and said, oh, he's still got it. Sam Darnold, the, the Robbie Anderson, Sam Darnold connection from New York is still a thing. You know, I'm into it. And I was able to unload him. I, I think, I don't even remember what I traded along with him. I think it was James Robinson and Robbie Anderson for DeAndre Swift before DeAndre Swift was a thing. And it was brilliant, obviously. But <laughs> there will be somebody that might see Tyreek Hill go nuts and be like, let me buy Tyreek Hill. I'm, I'm chasing a title. We'll see what happens. So it, it depends on your league. It's very much league specific. But if you've got that person to sell him to, yeah, get rid I, of him. 100%. That'll do it for our buys and sells for the 2022 and beyond fantasy seasons. One of my favorite episodes. So, this might be my favorite episode so far. This is a good one. This is a good one. If you enjoyed the episode, leave it a like. Uh, subscribe to the show wherever you can do that. Best thing you can do is leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That would mean the world to us. Uh, that's tell all us from us. Think. We'll what can we see do to you get better. Uh, maybe don't tell us that because we think we're great. We're also extremely sensitive. As we're also you perfect. See, Josh almost jumped off a bridge just because of exactly. Tyreek Hill. You know, it, it, what am I supposed to do? Am, am I supposed to process those emotions like a normal person? No. And he has, this, he has to stay in another state just to talk to me. <laughs> That's it, everybody. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers podcast. If you enjoyed it, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore, and we will see you in the next episode.